it was 2015. I was in my small office looking out onto Highway 5 in Southern California, and I was feeling so stuck. I didn't know what I wanted to do next in my life, but I knew the job I was in, it wasn't it. I wasn't going to stay there for much longer. If only I had had a guide to help me figure out exactly what it is I want to do and help me take the steps to get there. I knew I wanted to start my own business, but I didn't feel like I had a solid business idea. So if you can relate, I've created my business action guide. In six quick steps, you will solidify your business idea. And not only will you solidify it, you will create a compelling business idea that you can start pitching to clients as early as this week. So go to hollynoll.com slash free and grab my free business action guide and start planning your business today with a solid business idea. hollynoll.com slash free. Welcome to the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast, episode number 19. Hi, I'm Holly Knoll, host of the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast. If you've always wanted to start a business and don't know where or how to start, you've come to the right place. After leaving an unfulfilling corporate career, I decided it was time to start a business of my own. Today, I'm a business coach and creator of The Consultant Code, where I help people start services-based businesses in 60 days or less. So grab your latte because you're about to be inspired, armed with knowledge, and given simple tools to start a business of your own from my interviews with Everyday Entrepreneurs. Hey, friend. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast. I have Brooke McCarthy here with me today. She's a digital marketing trainer and business coach who works with business owners to help them magnify their impact and grow their professional reputations. So why is Brooke here today? Brooke is here to talk about something that I think is so important to master when it comes to making changes in our lives and to get what you want. And that simple thing is asking for it. But so many times it can be scary to ask for what you want. It can be scary to just go for it, put yourself out there. So Brooke is here today to walk us through a simple strategy to really go for it, ask for what you want, and most importantly, how to get it. Brooke has a a background in public relations, and she has 13 years of experience being self-employed. Therefore, Brooke calls herself happily unemployable, and she's keen to show others how simple it can be to redesign your business to thrive. When she's not training or coaching, Brooke loves blogging and writing bad poetry. Brooke's words, not mine, by the way. Go to her Instagram and, and like sneak in on some of those posts and look at the brilliant writing Brooke does. It's not bad. She's got some really good poetry out there. Anyway, I just digress. She loves lifting weights and cooking up a storm. She lives in Sydney, Australia with her two young daughters and her partner, who is also self-employed. Brooke and I met over the summer last year in a mastermind group, and I myself have learned a ton from Brooke in terms of just building more courage, asking for what I want, and really being my true authentic self. So I've learned a lot from Brooke over the past eight months, and I hope you do too in today's episode. So let me introduce to you Brooke McCarthy. All right. Hey, Brooke, thank you so much for being here today. It's great to see you. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Holly. Yes. Well, so obviously you you are not likely living in the United States, given your accent. So tell us a little bit about you. Where are you living? What do you do? And yeah, just tell us, give us a little bit of background. 
Sure. So I live in Sydney, Australia. I've lived here my whole life, apart from when I was uh, working and travelling overseas because Australia is a long way from many places. So we are keen travellers. We generally do like to travel. Um, so for a couple of years, I uh, lived and worked in Cambodia and Vietnam. I've travelled around um, Southeast Asia, India, and ended up meeting my partner in Cambodia. And then we travelled for another year after that and ended up working in Turkey. So yes. it's kind of odd to be um, back in Sydney still. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and especially because, you know, travel is a distant memory now. So, yeah. Luckily, I have a big country to explore. Yeah, that that's one of the things I was really drawn to when I first met you is just all of your travel experience and me being a big traveler as well. I always admire Australians for traveling the world wherever I go. I always seem to meet Australians. You're you're so isolated, but yet I feel like culturally, there you guys like. I don't know, I'm overgeneralizing, but it seems like I meet Australians traveling wherever I go. So I really admire that about about Australian, the Australian culture and your desire to travel? I think it's so, it's such a big deal to leave. Like it is, you know, you can't get anywhere. Uh, I, you know, you could go to New Zealand or the Pacific Islands, but every flight is a long haul flight. So <laughs> yes. you, know, if you, leave, you may as well stay away and keep going. Yeah. As long as you're, you're going somewhere, you may as well knock the, all, all of the countries out at once or many at a time. Well, so aside from traveling, tell us a little bit about your business. Obviously, you haven't always been a business owner. So one of the things I love to ask my, my guests is just tell us about your journey and, and how did you get to where you, where you are today? Sure. Um, so my father was a business owner. He had about, I think at the height, he had maybe 10 to 12 employees. Uh, he worked in public relations so I worked with him for a number of years and he gave me definitely a leg up and helped me, you know, get into the workforce outside of <laughs> hospitality, of course. You know, so I worked in public relations as a kind of a default fallback career for a number of years for a, a, a couple of different um, PR consultancies, uh, including wine PR, which was super fun. Nice. <laughs> really super fun. Oh. Lots of wine. We used to go out like you know, a sandwich for lunch at the local cafe across the road and we'd take three bottles of wine. <laughs> did you go back to work after that or did you just like go to the beach or something? <laughs> I don't know how I could do that nowadays. Yeah. Um, PR was kind of turning into my default career and I, you know, there are aspects of PR that I love but I knew it wasn't really what I was meant to be doing. And in PR, I got involved in the internet. I, I looked after a big um, multinational client's website. I loved everything about it. I loved the instantaneous nature of it. I loved the fact that I could write stuff and then press send on a mass email. And then I could watch what happened. I could see in real time whether people were responding to different things. So I, I love the immediacy about it. I love the fact that you could get, you know, real information I always loved communicating. Um, I knew whatever I did, it was going to be in communication and I thought I'd be a journalist. Um, that was my kind of dream. I wanted to be a journalist. So from PR, I took a sideways step into magazine publishing and it turned out to be totally the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did you know? Like, how did you know you were in the wrong spot? 
Uh, oh, so many things. Um, the you know, it's essentially the same thing insofar as I was writing. I was writing articles, but the lack of movement in print uh, just kind of killed me. So, for example, we'd have a budget. We'd get the proofs back from the printer, and we'd have a budget to make five changes. And so the art director would be arguing with the chief editor about where those changes should be made because somehow or another there's a full stop in the middle of a word, even though five separate individuals have edited and proofread it. Um, this colour's wrong, that's wrong, this is wrong. It, you know, there's so much effort that goes into producing one thing, you know, and it was just, it drove me insane. I'm like, if we were on the internet right now, we wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. We'd just be changing stuff. You know, I like to work, I like to move at speed. Um, so the fact that, you know, and then that's, I'd have crafted a piece of writing that I thought was perfect and somebody would say, you need to lose two words from this sentence or you need to cut, you know, so many characters from this bit here and it's just like. Oh, soul sucking. Oh, it's just like this makes no Ugh. sense. Maybe I was just <laughs> but I'm like, this makes no sense. So I, so that was. Uh, 13 years ago and so I was kind of managed out of that position because it was a you know it was it was clear that it wasn't working for me or the boss but it was a pretty soul-destroying experience it was not fun and um, I didn't know what I was doing and I did a yoga teacher training course which is you know a, a thing you do when you don't know what you're doing been there um, done that too <laughs> when I didn't know what I was doing yep <laughs> it was a great thing to do and I've been doing and I've been teaching yoga for a number of years before that it was a great thing to do and I don't regret it um, and I landed my first client so the the teacher trainer at the end of the first day said so Brooke tell me what do you do and you know that question you kind of want to die on the inside a little especially when you're you know you're young and you're in a quarter-life crisis and it's painful and you really feel completely lost uh, anyway, I could have said a number of things because I, honest to goodness, didn't know what I was doing. And I instead I said, I'm a writer because I thought I can write. I know I can write. I have confidence in my writing ability. I write. I'm a writer. And he said, I'm looking for a writer. So he became my first client and, you know, I kind of started pretty rapidly because I didn't have a backup plan. I didn't have a plan at all. Uh, I didn't have, you know, a job and I kind of floated the idea with my partner and he's a really practical guy and I was waiting for him to push back and say that's a really dumb idea. I thought I was too young. I was 28 at the time. I'm like I'm way too young to start a business. This sounds awesome but I don't know enough, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, But, you know, he didn't protest and so within the space of a week I'd registered the business I'd registered for a website domain name and I'd emailed, and this is the same advice I give to all my clients, I'd emailed every single person in my Yahoo minus a couple of ex-boyfriends. Yeah. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) What? (laughs) And I uh, told them I was in business and I didn't, begged them to work with me instead I said this is what I offer this is who I work with if you know anybody can you point them in my direction and from that single email I think it went out to about 100 110 people from that single email I had about 
five or six coffee dates. And from those five or six coffee dates, I started working with three or four different clients. And within three or four months, I had replaced, I was replacing my old salary. So I was back. I was back, baby. You were (laughs) back, back in, back in business for yourself. I, I love what you just said. Um, you wrapped kind of your journey into also a piece of advice. And I think it's brilliant. Um, and I've heard like similar, t- similar, you know, types of advice along the same vein, but I love how specific you are in terms of like, you're new, you're starting your business. A lot of people are like, you know, it's a choking point. Like, oh my God, how do I find clients? How do I replace my corporate income? And you did something very tactical and simple that anyone can do today. You literally went through your address book in your Yahoo account and emailed people. And you weren't trying to sell yourself directly to those people. But the spin you put on it was like, do you, if you know anybody. And, and you know, that turned into people who knew people that wanted to hire you, that or wanted to have coffee with you, that turned into people who wanted to hire you. So I think that is such a, and I want to continue on your journey because I know you don't stop there, but I think that is such a good, right there, that's a, such a good, strong action that people can take. And let's, we're going to talk about imposter syndrome in a little bit too, but I would love to know, maybe I'll save my question. Uh, well, I'm wondering well, let's talk about it. So I, I would like to know just at that point, like what made you feel confident enough to press the send button? Because I think a lot of people when they just are starting out, they're like, who am I to be doing this? People are going to laugh at me. They're going to think I'm ridiculous. They're going to think that I can't, you know, I can't do this. Like who does she think she is? How did you just move forward and, and do it anyway without hesitation? Or did you hesitate? Um. Did I hesitate? I don't remember hesitating at the time, but I do think we have a lot of misunderstanding and misperceptions around confidence. And, you know, one big thing that I'm a massive advocate for that I teach, that I share at every opportunity, is that uh, confidence is a feeling, absolutely, but it's also an action. And Uh, if you act confidently, the feelings that you're hoping for will follow the actions. And I think that this was something, you know, when I was travelling, when I was 20, 21, and then, you know, when I became a tour leader at 22, which was ridiculously young, really, I thought I knew everything, but I was, you know, very, very young. We all thought we knew everything at 22. (laughs) Yes, and that nobody else knew anything. Oh, I just (laughs) And, but, you know, the thing that I, um, that really struck me there is that uh, your brain is so powerful and it can, it tells all kinds of stories. And a lot of those stories are completely untrue. So there was one experience that I still think about today. I don't know why, but there was one experience where I got on a bus. We used to have these massive bus trips. We crossed the border overland from Vietnam into Cambodia. Then we had this like seven-hour bus trip to get into Phnom Penh on this terrible road. So I'm sitting by myself on the tour bus this day. I get on the bus feeling fabulous. I get off the bus feeling like, kill me now. My life's over. I suck at everything. I don't know what I'm doing. Your brain what happened is, on the bus. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing happened on the bus. I was left alone with my brain mm-hmm. for seven hours and I thought myself into depression. And I know that 
the mind is powerful and I know it plays tricks and I know it says things that are completely and utterly untrue. So rather than trust my my feelings and my thought and believe every single thing that I think, I'm going to act instead and trust that the feeling will follow the action because I could sit at my computer and argue with myself about why I shouldn't press send on that email, why I shouldn't pick up the, the phone and call that person and why I couldn't possibly pitch myself to that organisation. I could do that all day long. Yep. Um, but um, I cannot afford the luxury of a negative thought if I'm self-employed. Mm. And, I, you know, having been self-employed now for 13 years, I can see in my profit and loss statement when I have allowed myself to wallow and allowed myself to kind of, you know, let believe what I'm thinking. And I think one of the biggest things I feel most proud about 13 years later is because it used to take me longer to get out of a funk. You know, if something crappy happened, if I was, I had high hopes for something and it didn't work out, or if I had a negative experience with an individual, it would take me way, way longer Whereas now I can brush it off a hell of a lot quicker and not allow myself to wallow because I cannot afford to. Oh, two things I want to pull out of what you just said. Number one is I cannot afford to have a negative thought if I am self-employed. How do you know that? From your profit and loss statement, you can see where you've wallowed. You can see how you were feeling and the direct ties to your profit. Like that, the numbers don't lie. And I love that that conclusion that you were able to draw. And so I would love to hear more as you keep telling us about your journey. So like how how has your thinking changed as a business owner and how have you continued to employ this mantra of I cannot afford to have that a negative thought? And like keep keep kind of like telling us about your journey and then I'd love to hear how your your thinking has shaped your maturity as being a, as a business owner. Uh, the first few years, I set up my business um, as a consultant, as a kind of a digital marketing gun for hire, a PR and digital marketing gun for hire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I worked in a retainer uh, relationship with a small number of clients because I'd come from the PR industry and that's how it's set up. So that's pretty normal. You know, we set up our businesses from based on what we can see around us, based on, on our experience. And then I had uh, one child. We, um, we, I had my very first baby. I allowed, I allowed, I had a, a whole five days maternity leave before the client called me and said it's an emergency. I'd asked them not to call me. Um, five days. Five, five days. And stupid me, I responded to that. Um, so anyway, baby number one, I just thought I could, I just thought I could do anything because we'd bought a new house, we'd taken out a million dollar mortgage, we were completely stretched financially. My partner lost his job in the middle of the financial global financial crisis. And so, and I turned 30. So picture this, Holly, it's my 30th birthday. There's like 120 guests. We've got a band, I've got a brand new baby. Uh, who's four weeks old, <laughs> just the kind of thing you'd never do with a second child. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I love like, oh, a, like I would love to imagine a party with 150 people right now. But aside <laughs> from that, but like you had, you had set up like all of this celebration, but inside, yeah. And were you I, just I, like scared out of your mind or like, how were you feeling inside at that moment? I mean, 
had a cry. I had a cry about it. You know, when he when he told me, you know, he'd lost his yeah. job, his mortgage, and a brand new baby. I definitely had a cry. Um, and I'm glad that the baby was there actually, because it made it better. If the baby wasn't there and he'd lost his job, I would have been like, oh my god. But um, you know, so I did kind of carry on. You know, feeling like I was invincible and that I could do it all. And my partner very quickly became self-employed himself, and still is. And that was the best thing ever. Uh, he, I don't think he would have done that without the push of losing his job. Um, and, you know, that was easily the best decision, the best thing, you know, that could have happened career-wise to him and us. Um, but the second baby came along <laughs> very quickly mm-hmm. and that's when the wheels fell off. And I was like, this is, I don't know if we can swear, but this is not ideal. <laughs> <laughs> what, how did, like, what, what, what changed or what, like, obviously like another oh. kid complicates things, but like, what made you start to be like, oh God, this is not working or like, what was happening? She stopped sleeping and I also had my very first speaking gig. So I was speaking at a conference at the Sydney Convention Centre and I was extremely anxious and nervous about that. Plus I wasn't sleeping. She was waking me up every 90 minutes throughout the night. I wanted to throw her out the window and it was just <laughs> that, you know, that this was not not sustainable, that things weren't great. I had also, whilst pregnant with the second child, started a business partnership with a friend, which is clearly not a bright idea. So I had two businesses. I had two babies at home. My partner was working from home. And friends and, you know, colleagues would would hear about our situation go, wow, you're living the dream, Brooke. Yeah, from the outside in. It looks amazing. (laughs) Kill me now. I want to quit my life. You know, <laughs> I had these very elaborate fantasies involving like running away and jumping on a plane and leaving everything behind. Everyone Control behind. Z, like the past four years of your life. Yeah. Exactly. But anyway, so that was actually, you know, I, I guess you could talk about rock bottom. And I don't know, you know, there's a lot of other people's rock bottoms, which is far more dramatic uh, and exciting perhaps than mine. But I do believe that we do have to get to a place of pain before we make a brave decision. And, you know, certainly with my clients, when I meet them and, you know, I can tell they've overwhelmed, overawed, had enough, pissed off, angry, you know, all the rest of it, it's actually a good thing because it gives you the courage to change your situation. If you're too comfortable and everything's a little bit too, you know, too easy, then it's it's hard. Change is not fun, despite the propaganda. Change is not fun, even for people like me who, you know, I like variety, I like spontaneity, I don't like routine. It's still not fun. It's painful. <laughs> And so I, I, I did a lot of things then. So I, cha- I, I did a much better job of boundaries. Um, I, I, put, I moved away from the baby and left her to cry it out, um, you know, and it didn't take very long. We didn't leave her crying for hours and hours. It didn't take very long to kind of change that mm-hmm. um, in the end. And I changed my business model. I put my prices up. I put my prices on my website. I stopped meeting uh, random people for random coffees. And, coffees you know, and picking brains and all. Oh, yeah. It's oh, a time suck. Yes. And I tell you mm-hmm. what, you know, if you give, it's, it's not necessarily, you know, our fault 
But if you give people an opportunity to be flaky, they will take it. You know, so there's no way I would do what, you know, some other people have done to me. But that doesn't mean that, you know, people, who knows what what they're thinking. You know, maybe they do Mm. think put their hand in their pocket and pay for your services. But, you know, I reclaimed my time. I took my time back. I said, this is, these are my new terms and conditions. Payment upfront in full, um, you know, nothing is happening unless, you know, payment in my bank account. Here's the price on the website, so we don't have to have the long protracted negotiation. I don't, right. have, you know, the quotes that go back and forth and back and forth and back yep. and forth. Oh, can you just, you know, can I just cherry pick? You know, can yep. I cherry pick? And you'd be like, okay. and I think when you're starting out, I think there's a fine line that people walk. I know I did. I wanted to win the work. but I also needed to get paid. And so it was like, I wasn't in the position to be able to just walk away. Like I, I am my own backup plan. Like I don't have the, you know, other support network or resources that other people might have, but I, I was operating on my own. I, own when I started out, I still am. And so when I was early starting out, it wasn't an option to be like, well, forget you. It now is an option because I've, I've planned for that. But how, like when people are, when you're walking that fine line, like how did you decide, like, where did you ever give a little, or how did you get to the point from your experience where you're like, nope, it is what it is. And if you aren't willing to kind of play by the rules that I'm setting for my own business, then we're not a good fit. Like, how did you establish that? Um, Again, I think it was just, you know, making the mistakes over and over again, (laughs) bad experiences over and over again. I'm pretty good at making the same mistake multiple times just to make doubly sure. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and it was just like a matter of actually, I don't know how many time I am stretched to capacity Mm-hmm. Here is the price, and and the second I put the price on the website, and you know it's not everybody's cup of tea. Some people are great at sales conversations. Um, you know, some things you know are a lot more difficult as a consultant. It's a lot more difficult to kind of have a set fee. But the second I created packages, I created clearly defined things, mm-hmm. clearly defined services with clearly defined terms and conditions, and put the price on the website. I made double the money with half of the stress and you know and it circumvents that you know if you're feeling like an imposter if your confidence is lacking if you hate talking about money if you find that you are constantly being negotiated down if you constantly feel like you know people are kind of bullying you then it's a great thing to put your price on the website and it's a great thing to think Mm -hmm. thoroughly about your terms and conditions and to have those boundaries and that very clear process in place so people know exactly what the path is. Number one, if you, you know, wish to proceed, answer these questions. Number two, you know, if I like your answers, then we will schedule a call. Not in those yep. words. Right. But but that's yep. the thinking, the, the logic behind. Exactly. So the last we left off with your story, you were a, you were in PR or not in PR, you had started your own writing business and you had, you left PR, you had started your own writing business. You had sent the email. You're now like, you know, back in business for yourself. What did you do next? Just so like, obviously you have so much experience and valuable things to share, but I would also like you to talk about kind of like, how did you, what has been your journey to learn all this stuff? Like, what did you do next with writing? I think I was a bit early with social media and it's not always great being early. In fact, it can be really problematic 
So 2008, I started. 2009, I started a lot of Facebook pages. 2010, I was doing, you know, uh, we didn't even have Instagram back then. Can you believe it? Yeah, I can't imagine my life without Instagram. (laughs) I was looking after other businesses' social media and it was clear that people didn't value it. They didn't want to do it. They didn't understand it. They resented it. And they didn't want to pay for it. They didn't value it. They didn't want to pay for it. And that is still the case. Mm. Um, You know, I still see people on Facebook, you know, naming their price for social media management, these ridiculously unsustainable amounts. So um, I started teaching and training. And again, that was another thing of kind of taking a leap and then building the net (laughs) on the way down. I had... um, I had gone to a yoga class. I recognised the yoga teacher who was checking in the students and I knew he was well-known and well-regarded. I've read about him. So when it came my time at the front of the queue, I gave him my elevator pitch and he said immediately, do you do training? I'd never done any group training. Uh, I had done one-to-one training when I was a tour leader and so I said yes. Like what kind of training? training on how to start a business quickly and how to do digital marketing like how to how to start marketing your services as an individual yoga teacher so okay he was, he was training yoga teachers um so that was that was what I did and he was my first training client to which I am eternally grateful um and I got a whole bunch of other similar gigs doing something similar so I'd come in at the end of yoga teacher training or I'd come in at the end of a vocational training course in a vocational college mm-hmm. and I would teach a crash crash course in how to start your own business and how to start marketing yourself you know and doing it yourself and not outsourcing the marketing and that was awesome and I loved it and so I saw this as an escape route and I said see you later babies <laughs> and I got on a plane and I started running courses around Australia. Okay, pause there because I think what may be missed if we just kept going was like, again, you had this opportunity where somebody was like, do you do training? And you're like, yes. Even though like you didn't have like a super established business doing training for years and years, but this was like, yes, exactly. Like you, you leapt and then you built the net later. So like, I think, a lot of people are like, oh my God, but I can't lie. I can't like, you know, tell, who am I to say like I do something when I really don't? I mean, I, I don't have a website. I don't have a logo. I I haven't officially declared it. So like, how would you tell somebody that like, it's okay when an opportunity comes up and like, it's exciting? Like, how does somebody like mentally get in that space where you're like, yes, I do that. And then just start owning it as if, how do you act as if? I think you kind of owe it to yourself. And, you know, again, I find it really motivating to get angry. And I think there Mm. is to get angry, especially as a woman, especially as a, you know, small business owner, you know, and what, what I see over and over again and have done for years is I see people in Facebook groups offering everything for $2. Oh, with, Yes. Or or for free. I've seen that multiple times. Oh, yes, please. I had somebody, you know, earlier pitch me and say, I'd like to write for you for free in exchange for a testimonial. And while, you know, that's fine for, you know, a short amount of time to perhaps build up your portfolio and perhaps get a couple of testimonials, you know, it doesn't, it's not sustainable. It's not good 
for the long term and I see it over and over and over again. So what I find personally super motivating is being in these social media communities and seeing other people who have a fraction of the experience, who have spelling mistakes in every, you know, update that they write and charging three times what I'm charging. I find that super motivating. The other thing I do is I go on Facebook and I find some twit talking nothing about nothing, you know, and that, and then I think, wow, if that dude has uh, the to put his blah, blah on the internet, why on earth am I sitting on this email full of awesome nuggets of gold? Yep, value versus fluff, yep. Exactly. So I find, I find that super motivating. And the thing is, you know, I think you have to back yourself because if you don't back yourself, then who's going to back yourself? And back to, you know, my point earlier about, you know, acting confidently and then the feeling will follow mm-hmm. is the you cannot accrue experience waiting for somebody to tap you on the shoulder, especially in self-employment, also in employment, but especially mm-hmm. in self-employment. You have got to pitch. You've got to be direct. You've got to make the ask. You've got to put your hand up and say, I want this. You've got to tell everybody, mm-hmm. this is what I'm looking for. This is what I want. I'd really like to, you know, blah, 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 blah. I mean, we had a conversation and I said to you, I'd like to appear on more podcasts as a guest. And you said. I was like, oh, of course, come on mine. <laughs> yes, I took the bait and here we are. No, but. How would you know otherwise? You know, right. the world is not a mind reader. No. No, and the world is not a mind reader. That, that was why I, I took the leap into training because I realised one day that I was sitting at my desk, the children were young, and I was waiting for the phone to ring. And this kind of thing came from my unconscious to my conscious brain. You know, you're waiting for the phone to ring. You're waiting for somebody to say, Brooke, we've got a group of people. Could you come and talk to them and train them and speak? And the second that came into my conscience, I'm like, why am I waiting for the phone to ring? The phone's not going to ring. I Mm. need to go out there and I need to pitch myself to conferences, pitch myself as a speaker, you know, ask people for the work directly. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing what happens when you ask people directly. They say yes. And tell (laughs) us about like, you know, we all know like no one most people, most people, and I don't want to blanket this with no one, but because someone's going to come back and be like, well, this isn't true. But most people don't die from being rejected. So like yeah. the worst somebody can say is no. And I think one of the things I've learned as a business owner is no ego amigo. Like like it, it's constant drinking from the fire hose because there's always something new to learn, a new goal I have and a new gap that I have in my knowledge. And so like, the amount of no's and failures and rejections and things that you put out there and no one, no one responds, no one seems to give two shits. And then like, but then it's that one time that you connect with somebody like, or it's the, and then the one time turns into like 10 times. And then it just expands on itself. To me, that the fact that you keep showing up, that you keep doing it, you keep perfecting your craft, regardless of what the outcome is, it seems is for me, like one of the biggest mindset transitions that one must make when they transition from being an employee to a business Mm -hmm. owner, because as an employee, the net is already built in there to, to fall. Like you have goals in a big, in a box on a piece of paper on your, your performance review. And that's really all you need to do as a business owner. The whole landscape is great and there's no right or wrong there. I mean, there's no, no def- definition. It's up to us to define what we want. Right. Yeah, absolutely. 
And that, you know, that takes some people years. I have clients who've been mm-hmm. employed for decades, you know, and it's not until we talk and I'm like, you don't have to do it the way that you, <laughs> you, you can take Mondays off. You can take Fridays off. You can say no to the meeting. You yeah. know, you don't have to go to the meeting just because the client is paying paying you. You know, it doesn't have to be done the way that you're doing it if it's not working for you the way that you're doing it. And I think, you know, that's a that's a huge thing, this whole idea of because we, we swap one boss for many. We go thinking, oh, freedom, you know, flexibility. I'm going to yeah, go to the freedom beach, of gonna, you know, go to yoga in the middle of the day. And what happens? All of a sudden you've got like 10 bosses or 20 bosses. <laughs> yes. And, and also like, just because like it was something that you like you're using your example of somebody who's been in business for 10 years and is doing things they don't like to do just because we had to do a thing in our corporate jobs or previously in even yesterday today as business owners we can decide we don't want to do it but we also have to like be fully responsible and prepared for the impacts of not doing it but oftentimes when we're working for somebody else we don't have a choice we can't really say no we could get fired but as a business owner we do have that freedom to get to say no and to adjust and to pivot and change but obviously it's a calculated decision but there is that freedom and just because you did it one way for 10 years doesn't mean you have to do it the 11th year like you know, you, you keep bringing up pitching a lot, Brooke, and, and I know you obviously, and I know what you offer now in your programs that you've expanded out. Like if you were to kind of help somebody understand like pitching and like what, what would be like somebody who's like nervous to a new business owner, they want to go talk about themselves. They want to send that email to the group. Mm. Maybe it's, it's not an email. It's a different thing, but what are like the fundamentals or a framework somebody could use to pitch themselves when they're just starting out to yeah. like put themselves out there. Like, how do you do that? Well, I have a free challenge called Life. Oh, I, I swear you, I swear listeners, she, I did not set this question up. I, okay. You have a free challenge. Tell I us about a, it. I have a free challenge because I think, you know, I find it fairly straightforward and fairly easy for a lot of people. It's super radical and, and I need to. And really awkward. Yeah. And like this giant, big task a big deal and firstly I need to clarify that you pitch your children that they should have pasta for dinner and not pizza you pitch your your partner that we should have Thai tonight and not Chinese uh, you know you pitch people all day long uh, we just don't call it that so the the life's a pitch challenge includes a whole bunch of different copy and paste scripts uh, for a whole bunch of different situations. I, I introduce myself to strangers. I've been told by other people that I'm a good networker. I don't see myself as a good networker, but that's what other people say because, you know, introducing yourself to strangers I think is super important as we get older and it's super important as a business owner, but it's important in general because, you know, we get older and we have friends drop away and we have convenience friends or friends that are there for a particular purpose or a reason or a season, um, it's very uncommon to actually go actively seeking friends because you think you'll get along. And I do that. You know, I think, oh, that person looks interesting. I think we'd get along. They're saying interesting things. And I introduce myself. And some of those um, introductions have turned into, you know, fabulous long-term business buddy relationships, um, you know, people that I, I honest to goodness consider a friend who incidentally, secondly, have also helped 
bring me tens of thousands of dollars worth of business and helped to grow my business and given me, you know, plenty of different opportunities. But that's not the point. You know, the point is that it's important to, it feels radical because it is, it goes against our socialisation as women in particular Mm. to ask for what we want, to be direct and, you know, we've been for thousands, this is for, for very real reasons, for thousands of, of years, if women were in the spotlight, if they were visible and they weren't a queen, you know, they weren't in power, they weren't a, a duchess or whatever, they were killed. Yeah. You know, so there is a yeah. very real reason why it feels painful or wrong to put your face on the internet. We have thousands of years. Generations of that we've all carried with us. That's a great point. I hadn't thought of that. And even nowadays, like feminism is so new. You oh, know, yeah. The history, you know, of of, uh, of humanity, it is a, a blimp, a tiny blimp in the last, you know, 50, 70, you know, maybe 90 years. We have so much further to go. We are still judged a hell of a lot more harshly. So, of course, we feel self-conscious. Of course, we want to avoid it. Of course, the idea of introducing ourselves to strangers or saying, hey, look at me, you know, this is what I want, can you help, feels Mm -hmm. outrageous. It feels bizarre. But the, the only way to get through this is to do it because you do it once and you don't, you know, you don't get shot. You do it again, you don't get shot. You do it again. You know, and really the worst that can happen is you get ignored. That is the most likely outcome, you get ignored. And the number one reason why you get ignored is because you're making your pitch far too long. So most of my pitches are one, two, three sentences. You sent me three bullets when we were brainstorming this chat. It was super easy to say yes to you. It was, we had already decided we were going to do it, but it was super easy to say yes to one of the bullets. I was like, yeah, let's do that. Let's talk about that. Too long, didn't read. Nobody wants to read, you know, super long emails. No. A stranger. I had a phone call yesterday. I was driving in the car. The guy got me at the right time because I was in the car mm-hmm. and he, it was a cold call. I don't know him. He's trying to sell me something. You know, I mm-hmm. kind of pushed him telling me, you know, what he did and whatever. But uh, I said, call me, call me tomorrow and let's talk. And I fully intend to give him my time and attention because he showed interest in me. He did not mm-hmm. waffle on about himself. He asked me intelligent questions. He, uh, you know, he appeared genuinely curious mm-hmm. about me and my needs and my wants and my goals. And that is at the crux of, you know, an effective pitch. Oh. Yes. Thank you. Being genuine, being authentic. And in wrapping up, genuine, authentic, being real, asking someone else questions about themselves versus focusing all on you. Like, like, and then the practice, 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 showing up, showing up until you're confident rather than waiting and, and rather than waiting until you're confident to show up, show up until you're confident. Right. So experience. Yeah. In closing, Brooke, I know we have to wrap up here, but I just would love you to tell everyone where can they find you, find your programs, learn from you, take your courses, take be a part of your membership. Like where where can people find you? All the place, all the social places. <laughs> I'm a digital marketing trainer and a social media trainer. So I'm on all the all the goddamn platforms. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. Don't look me up on TikTok. It's really embarrassing. <laughs> 
um, you can find me under my own name, Brooke McCarthy. It's uh, Brooke without an E and there's two C's in McCarthy. So Instagram's probably my favourite. Facebook and LinkedIn, is, of course. Uh, and my business is called Hustle and Heart. So that's hustleandheart.com.au. Hustleandheart.com.au. And where can people grab your free pitch freebie? So it is at hustleandheart.com.au forward slash pitch. Cool. All right. Slash pitch, everyone. Thank you, Brooke, for being here today. This was very insightful. I learned a lot here and I feel like I have some renewed confidence too to go pitch myself to something scary. So uh, listeners out there, go pitch yourself to something scary. Do something that scares you today and use Brooke's framework at hustleandheart.com.au slash pitch to have your framework and and to use that as as a jumping off point. So thank you, Brooke, for being here today. And I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks so much. Ooh, I hope you walked away with some great ideas and inspiration to really just get after it today and ask for what you want. Brooke broke down. That's kind of a tongue twister, but Brooke broke down the the process that is so simple, but yet can feel really hard. And I hope today you have more confidence and just feel more at ease in asking for what you want. So quick, think about one thing today that you really want. And maybe you just have been holding back on asking for it for whatever reason, whether you're going to ask the universe, ask your partner, ask your friend, ask a potential client or customer, ask your boss, ask your colleague, what is that one thing today that you want to ask that you've been holding back for whatever reason? Think about that one thing and then think about Brooke's stories and the approach that she gave us and ask, just ask the question. The worst that can happen, right, is is you don't, you get a no, but you will never know until you ask. So ask the question, take that one thing that you want to ask today and go for it. So I hope this helped you today feel more at ease with asking for what you want. And I hope you get the answer that you are looking for. And most of all, I hope that you are continuing to take action each and every day to build the life and the business that you have dreamed of. So with that, friend, Thank you so much for tuning in to the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm honored that you chose today to spend with us, and I will see you next time. Thank you so much for joining me this week on the Everyday Entrepreneur. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and you chose to be here with me. And for that, I'm truly grateful to you. Make sure to stop on my website, and you can subscribe there to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS so you'll never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you found value in this show, I'd love your rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would mean the world. Finally, check out my free guides to starting a business at hollynoll.com slash free. And be sure to tune in two weeks from today for my next episode. Until next time, keep taking action to build your business.